Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Inside the junk hole. Oh, my goodness. Well, sometimes that is better. It just tastes so damn good. Stargirl. Wolfman's got Nars. Here, Mommy. <laughs> Here's Johnny. Thou art the one. Slap! Star Child. What the hell did we just watch? The All-American Spook Show Podcast. Hello, and once again, welcome to another edition of the All-American Spook Show Podcast. As always, I'm Josh, and I'm joined with my friend Will. What's up? And the Professor Smoke. Hey, hey. And today we are going to be somewhat closing the loop of uh, the current modern It movie. Uh, for, you know, the original from 2017, we actually watched back on uh, episode 16. So if you want to go back in the archives and hear our thoughts on that and, and some of the behind-the-scenes on that one, it's uh, episode 16. You can find that AA Spook Show that podbean.com and, and you know all the other various ways you can get the show so we got we went pretty in depth on that one back then but uh we never went back and revisited it chapter two since then so we figured we'd go ahead and like i said close the loop on that i had this is the first time i watched it like when this came out back in september of 2019 i just never got to the theater and then you know how it is you know just things get lost to time and then I bought the Blu-ray even when it came out still never sat down and watched it so this was the first time a first time watch for me uh, what about you guys, Will? I actually went to the movie theater and watched it. Yeah, so I guess since we're already leading into that, what were your initial reactions on it? I enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't love it quite as much as the, the first chapter. And I think, honestly, for me, it's because they changed a handful of things there towards the end of the movie. But overall, I enjoyed it. Smoke, what about you? This obviously isn't the first time, right? No, like Will, I saw it in the in the theater when it first came out. and uh, But it is only the second time. We did buy it also on... Uh, on like a 4K DVD release, Blu-ray release, whatever. But uh, we didn't get around to watch it either until right before the podcast. Uh, it's my second time seeing it. And uh, I, like Will, too, I was a little, you know, I liked it. and uh, But I didn't necessarily, I certainly didn't love it as much as I loved part chapter one or whatever. And I'd forgotten about the novel. I, I'd read the novel years ago, back in the high school days, talking about back in the late 80s. A lot of the intricacies of the plot of the novel, of course, I, I wouldn't be able to make those comparisons as far as changes and everything. But... As far as it being different from chapter one, of course, you got the kid. The kids at least reprise some of the roles throughout the you know flashback scenes in this movie and all. But for me, it lost a little bit of that something that it had magic it had with the kids. And I think it's just because it's not it had anything to do with the storyline. I think it just had to do with the fact of I love those types of you know kids coming of age movies like Stand by Me, this one, Monster Squad, Goonies, what those types of films. So I think some of the magic is it from from the kids' perspective of what things you know things that were going on and things that were happening to them and. When, when they're adults going into it, 
maybe just loses a little bit of something from me. But again, I, I don't think it's the movie's fault. It's just I like that chapter one better. But, but uh, I still certainly enjoy this in the theater and watching it again even more so the second time around. I was watching some of the behind-the-scenes stuff on the uh, Blu-ray. Um, and there was a, mm. there, there's actually like a pretty good long documentary on there. It's like a two-part documentary. So together it's like a little over an hour or so long. It's called like uh, Summers of It. So they kind of break it down like the first one is, you know, for the first movie and the kids and everything. And then the second one is um, for the chapter two and the, and the the adults and all that stuff. But they made a pretty good comparison somewhere in there. They said, like, basically the first movie is kind of a coming of age movie for the kids. Right. Like the kids have to kind of grow up fast and become adults. And the second movie mm. is it's almost like the adults have to remember what it was like to be a kid. You know, so it's almost like, you know, oh, yeah. the old Benjamin Button kind of thing, you know, right? They have to kind of go yeah. back in time to kind of remember everything. So, But, yeah, I mean, this is a first-time watch for me, like I said. So my initial thoughts on it, like, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I guess I didn't like it quite as much as the first. I actually sat down and watched the first one um, about a day before I watched this one just because it had been, you know, what, a year and a half or so since we, uh, you know, uh, yeah. watched it yeah. for the, you know, for the uh, podcast. So, like, I wanted to watch it again because – I'd only watched it maybe like once or twice at that time. So I watched that one again before I watched this. And like it didn't in the past in, in some movies that we've, we've done like this, we're like, well, I went back and watched this to watch that kind of thing. Like with some of those conjuring movies, mm -hmm. it kind of like ruined the experience a little bit this time. I didn't feel that way. Like, I think it, I think it really does work well as one solid movie. Like if you just watch them back to back, I know that's a, a lot to ask, you know, for <laughs> your average viewer, that's like well over five <laughs> hours, you know, long. Which God knows if there was a director's cut of this, how long it would be, right? <laughs> It'd be like Lord of the Rings type of yeah. uh, length. But, uh, yeah, because yeah, it's already three hours, right? The second chapter two, anyways. Yeah, well, it's close to three hours. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's uh, the official runtime is 2.49. It's pretty long for sure. I mean, it's a lot. To, and the, the first one was shorter. I, I don't have that pulled up in front of me, but it was only like 2.15, something like that. So... You know, e even for uh, a horror movie, that's that's a long runtime. But yeah. th this is a little different. I remember the theater too. Yeah. Thank, you know, thank goodness they have reclining seats in theater these days because I don't know about three hours on the old school theater seats. I don't know if that's how you saw it, Willie. Was on an old school theater seats that don't recline or not? But. Oh God! <laughs> no, 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 we we were able to recline. But I remember yeah, yeah. going and seeing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think it was like the Last Lord of the Rings movie, and <laughs> the, the old stiff seat. And oh my God! By the by the <laughs> oh yeah, by I can't. I can barely make it up, to it. I was like, I was like swerving there, there was a movie theater uh here in my hometown it was called cinema seven and the pandemic finally did it in but it was one of those theaters that like the old like were truly old school flat floor no stadium mm -hmm. seating like flat floor <laughs> stiff ass seats that don't recline whatsoever like you know it's like a plastic chair that doesn't move yeah that's old school you know like 70s or 80s here man like they never put new seats in there so <laughs> i couldn't even you imagine see, the thing back in the day we used to like just deal with it because well a lot of times the movies weren't that long either hour you're talking about an hour and a half maybe yeah At, you know unless it's something like a spielberg movie or whatever but the two hours was kind of out of the norm anyway so <laughs> Yeah. But when you talk about these movies now that are over two hours plus. I truly believe, and I think know. we've discussed this before, like, I truly believe that these days, like, some of these types of movies, they make them that long so people can feel like they're getting their money's worth out of it. I, I really believe that on some level because, like, you know, yeah. there's so much competition for this, especially now with the pandemic and everything, and, and we're going to see how things are affected once things finally reopen again. But there's so much competition for the old uh, entertainment dollar these days, you know, that they probably feel like, well, people, you know, if it's only like an hour, 15, hour and a half, that, you know, people aren't going to feel like, you know, they got their money's worth out of it. But 
if you make it two, two and a half, three hours long, then well, all right, I can justify. Yeah, that's a long time, but you know, I'm getting a long, you know, entertainment value from a dollar out of it. So I, I don't know if that's really a part of it, but that's just kind of my opinion. It's got to be at least plays into it somewhat. That hour and a half time limit is like for me, like a kids' movie or like a like a rom com date movie. Yeah, well, <laughs> and that's what, yeah. yeah. That is another thing to add to that. Those type of movies you're talking about, yeah, they're never, they're almost never longer than an hour and a half. Yeah. Especially like a kid's movie. Like, good luck, you know, making, <laughs> making like a damn three-hour animated movie and getting kids to sit still for it. I think also, though, like you're saying, I, I agree with that, too, as far as what you're saying about you people getting, you know, getting more bang out of their butt. And I think also it's a combination maybe of just people have gotten used to running times being longer now back in the you know in the 80s or whatever even, or of course before the 80s it seems like they you know back in the 30s and 40s there was like an hour and an hour is like okay that's long enough you know <laughs> maybe an yeah. hour and 10 then a little bit longer down the road you get an hour and 20 an hour and 30 minutes so it was an average of about an hour and a half or so in the 80s and i think that's just people that editing the movie they just like to make it run that fast that pacing and i think people are have more patience now for now when when did developing longer than they did then. You may know more about this smoke than than I do, but I'm, I just had a thought when you were saying that. Like, when did drive-ins become like a prevalent thing? Was that the fifties or was that forties? It was before the fifties, but I think fifties hit its kind of peak. I mean, it had it had a huge peak in the fifties. It was they were around. I'm not, I I don't have the exact year that they started, but, yeah, I, but I know I, they were around in the forties. But, but when when 50s, they when just they kind became... of peaked, and then the seventies depend on the region. Like in the south, they were still going huge in the seventies. Now, what I'm getting at with that is, like, maybe that had an effect on the runtime of movies. Because, you know, if you go to a, a theater, like, you know, the, like I'm sure, like, back in the 20s and 30s and 40s, you actually had to go to, like, you know, a theater somewhere and sit down, you know, just like you mm -hmm. do today for the most part, right? And then at yeah. some point when the drive-ins became prevalent, people probably wanted to uh, cram a bunch of people into a car and see more than one movie, Right. So maybe they shortened the run times of the movies up to an hour 15, hour 30 back in the uh, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s because of the drive-through, right? Like it, they could play two, maybe even three movies at a drive at a drive-in drive-through at a drive-in. Yeah. Kind of bang through the movies a little bit quicker than say a three-hour movie at a drive-in. Yeah, yeah. That's something. That's definitely something interesting. I like that. I'm not 100 percent sure on that either, but I, something maybe we should do for another show or for a Patreon show or something yeah. about that, the running time, because it did, it did vastly change and it might be because of that, or maybe it's because, because movies were so were that short at the time, then they decided, well, we can do double bills on them. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's just, again, like a pacing thing. It might be that an hour to an hour and 10 minutes was just sort of the average time that they tried to pace the movies as far as keeping that active. Well, not necessarily active, but keeping the events going and moving. Yeah. Yeah. At a certain, pace or whatever because you know like i said they just kept getting a little bit longer and longer as each seemed like each decade goes you know an hour to an hour and 10 to an hour and 20 to an hour and 30 and then you know, somewhere in the 80s two hours was kind of like a that was like an epic you know yeah. <laughs> even the star wars movies only lasted a little bit some yeah. of them might not have even hit two hours mm -hmm. or if they did it was just barely around two hours you know i don't know how we got off on a on a huge tangent on that but that, that could be an interesting <laughs> uh a topic yeah, for a, an extra episode or something like that one of these days. But yeah, I guess before we go any further, like, you know, the behind the scenes type stuff and getting into the movie, we'll go ahead and toss to the trailer for It Chapter 2. Something happens to you when you leave this town. The farther away, the hazier it all gets. But me, I never left. I remember all of it. 
losers. We made an oath. I swear. If it isn't dead, if it ever comes back, we'll come back to you. We didn't stop it. Pennywise. The clown. <laughs> we can't let it happen again. Alright, and there you have it. So, this movie was released September 6th, 2019 by New Line Cinema, Double Dream, Vertigo Entertainment, and Rideback. And it was distributed, of course, by Warner Brothers Pictures, which, you know, made a ton of dough on both of these movies. <laughs> Obviously, this is based on the Stephen King novel that came out in 1986, uh, which I have still yet to sit down and read all the way through, so... I found a couple of uh, articles that'll kind of point out some of the differences between the uh, the book and the movies, just to, or at least for uh, you know chapter two here. That way, it can kind of help us point out some of the differences, maybe a little bit here in a little bit. I like I said, I haven't read the book all the way through. You guys said you have. Smoke, you said you read it like a long time ago. Yeah, it's it's probably back eighty eight or eighty nine. <laughs> so uh, it's been a while, and I've forgotten the intricacies of it. Yeah. And Will, yours is more recent, but you still maybe now don't for remember everything, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd say I probably read it probably 2014, 2015, somewhere in there. Was it fresh enough to where you could uh, kind of pick out some of the, the problems you had with it as you were watching this? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, one, one of the things that really stuck with me is, uh, and I'm blanking on the uh, guy's name, uh, the, the one that was in the insane asylum. Oh, uh, Henry Bowers. Oh, uh, Henry Bowers. Well, he played a lot bigger part uh, in, in in the back end of the movie. I don't know. I just felt like like in, in this one, he was like a throwaway character. And since he didn't die in the first one, they felt like they had to bring him back. I mean, uh, the, the two th the two or three scenes that he's in. I mean, he gets he gets beat up really fast, uh, and then he gets killed really fast. I mean, you could have uh, you could have had a, like a Pennywise uh, little scene right there instead of having him come back. Yeah, <laughs> and it was hard. It was kind of hard to believe too. Like I said, like I watched the first one, before, you know, a day before I watched this one. It'd be tough to believe that that kid could have survived that fall. Do you remember back to the first one? Like he fell down in the well. Yeah. He got pushed down in that well. I mean, like his head hit the side of the well, and he fell like God. God knows how far that was, right? Like. <laughs> 
50 to 100 foot down this well, and you don't even see him hit the bottom or anything. You just see him fall down the well, and he's, like, hitting the sides of the wall all the way down. Then fast forward to the second movie, and all of a sudden he just go, he gets washed out of the sewer with a bunch of dead bodies. He's still alive, and you know, and he and he, do, and he doesn't like he, and he doesn't look like he's hurt very, very bad, you know. <laughs> I, I, but I guess you know you're dealing with supernatural shit here with uh, Pennywise, right? So I guess you know anything's possible. But of course, this movie's rated R. The total runtime, like we mentioned, is two hours and forty nine minutes, so it's it's hefty. Um, on IMDb, it's listed as a drama slash fantasy slash horror. Also on IMDb, it has a rating of 6.5 out of 10 stars. Now, some of these things I'll, I'll read out here, I'll just compare to the first movie. 6.5 out of 10 stars for the first one, 7.3 out of 10 stars. So obviously IMDb, you know, the people voting there like the first one better. Rotten Tomatoes. This one got a 63% on the tomato meter, a 78% on the audience score, which is pretty high. Um, still both... Still very good scores, but the first one got 86% compared to 63 on the tomato meter and 84% from the audience. So obviously the audience and the critics all enjoyed the first one more. The budget for this one was bigger than the first one. 79 million compared to 35 million. Now I think you can see a lot of that budget on here in here though, right? With the CGI and the, it's a longer mm. movie, of course. So I'm sure that had to expand the budget and the fact that the first one had been such a such a huge success. I'm sure that helped to balloon the budget. But still, for a movie like this and as much money as they made off of these movies, thirty five million for the first one and seventy nine million for the second one ain't nothing. That's pretty that's pretty meager, yeah. Yeah. For and, meager, but I mean combined by the actors. Now. Say what? Yeah, considering some of the actors that they pulled in for the second one though, I mean Oh yeah. Uh McAvoy and Hater, I mean, those are pretty well known people. Well Jessica Chastain's probably arguably Jessica Chastain, yeah. Yeah, yeah arguably uh with james mcavoy for sure and of course bill Hader's a big name from his snl days but i don't think he's still quite on the level of those guys you know as far as the old pace go i, I wouldn't think but who knows right who, who knows but still i'm sure that was a, a a part of the budget but and the flack like i said it was a longer movie but i think you see a lot of it on screen they, they spend every dollar for mm-hmm. these movies and especially this uh second one but it goes to show you though like you know before we get into the box office that more a bigger budget doesn't necessarily always equate to a better movie, right? Um, when you compare the two movies, and uh, almost by every measure, this movie was filmed at Pinewood Toronto Studios and Port Hope, which is a town in southern Ontario, Canada. Between say like June, I think it's like mid to late June, to uh, I think they wrapped production like early November of 2018. So it you know it was a good three or four months it took them to uh, film this movie. So the opening weekend. It made $91 million, which is pretty good. Chapter 1, though, made $123.4 million in the opening weekend. Here in the U.S., this movie grossed $211.5 million, which is really good. But the first one <laughs> grossed $328.8 million here in the U.S. The worldwide gross is where you see the biggest difference. This movie made $473 million worldwide, which, you know, once again, really good. Blockbuster for sure. But the first one made seven hundred and one point seven million dollars worldwide, <laughs> and it's almost almost double. <laughs> Damn Not near quite, it. But I mean, yeah. Well, when you take out the budgets, then yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, well, the bud- you know, the the budget of the first one being considerably less than the second. Yeah. Either way, dropping the bucket. And making that much. Dropping the bucket, right? Like the first one was made for thirty-five yeah. million, made seven hundred and one point seven million. <laughs> yeah. The, the second one, $79 million budget, made $473 million. So roughly $400 million, and that's 
you know, disappointing, right? <laughs> Compared to the first one. Uh, still, either, first, yeah. either way, crazy. Like we often do, like when we have these uh, things available to us, we'll run down. I, I like to run down through like what was what was it up against when it came out. Uh, so it came out uh, September 6, 2019. So that weekend, uh, here's the top 10. Number 10, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It was in its seventh week. Number nine, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Number eight, Ready or Not. Number seven, Dora and the Lost City of Gold. One of Willie's favorites. Of course. <laughs> the scariest movie of all. Number, <laughs> number six, Overcomer. Number five, Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. That was in its sixth week. Number four, The Lion King, which was in its eighth week, and it had been raking up that summer. It was still number four, and it, it, to that point, its total gross was $529.2 million. Uh, so that was the big dog on the calendar when this came out. Number three, Good Boys. Number two, Angel Has Fallen. And then number one at the box office that weekend, It Chapter 2, with its ninety-one, a little over $91 million. So good opening week. It was number one by far that particular weekend because uh number two angel has fallen only made like 5.9 million so it chapter two raked up that weekend for sure i'd say i wouldn't say failure on any level just not as good as the first one right but that, like i said as far as failure that it's not this movie ended up being the number eight highest grossing worldwide horror film of all time and like we've mentioned before the it franchise so to speak is the number seven uh, highest grossing horror franchise just two movies number seven highest grossing franchise so uh before i get into like the director and all that stuff did you guys find anything interesting you wanted to point out i read somewhere this movie at 169 minutes is the uh, i believe it said the longest uh horror movie theatrical release ever yeah i guess you know you think of like horror movies there's not a lot of them that are really really long right like yeah what what are the other ones that come to mind? I mean, like Jaws is pretty long, and so was The Shining, right? And The Exorcist. Uh, I don't have the run times in front of me, but just off the top of my head, I can't think of many more that are longer than that, right? Yeah, I can't think of any that are three hours, or you know, right there at three hours. Not yeah. even those ones we just mentioned. <laughs> yeah, none of those probably hit three hours. Yeah, they're all or even. You know, they're all somewhere over. Yeah, they're all somewhere over like two hours to two thirty, right? Probably yeah. so. And, we, and yeah, we, there's not much cause for an epic horror movie length other than this. You know, it. I can't really think of another. You know, that's something that's epic that's horror related. There's probably other Stephen King books and stuff that they could do this treatment to. That would. That oh would, yeah, that, that would compare. But again, most of those came out. <laughs> And what the '80s, a lot of the glut of Stephen King movies came out in the '80s and '90s, and back when they were still trying to tighten that running time down. So, I, yeah, I think I truly think that you could revisit some of these novels and give it the proper length. You know, like Misery is a great movie. I don't know that you could touch up too much of that. I mean, but some of these other ones that came out, you could go another two hours, two and a half hours, and tell more of the story than you could in the '80s. Yeah. Something else I found was uh, the F bomb was dropped 108 times in this movie. <laughs> and probably, yeah, probably most of it came from what's his name uh, Richie what's the, what's the guy's name Richie yeah. Richie yeah. oh I guarantee you like deep, deep, Richie. if it's a hundred if it's a hundred and eight times it was probably like probably eighty hundred of them yeah eighty eighty to a hundred of those just from Richie and Eddie <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then I thought this one was kind of interesting the, the the filming of the Adrian Melton scene that took place in the uh, uh, I think that was in the stream right mm -hmm. it took place during salmon season and six tons of dead fish had to be removed from the canal due to the stench. God. 
Six, you said six tons? Mm-hmm. God almighty. Jesus. There's some of that uh, $79 million budget right there. <laughs> removing dead we salmon. tons of fish to get rid of. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and then, then there was something else about, you know, like like they had like all the young cast, write letters to all of the older cast, but in character. Yeah, yeah, I saw that in that documentary where they were talking about that. Yeah. Which it kind of helped uh, the, the older actors kind of get into the uh, frame of mind that the kids had when they did it. Yeah. They, they definitely took, and we can get into that a little bit, uh, I guess here, you know, since we're about to go into the, the director and all that stuff. This this movie was directed by Andy Mushi, uh, Mushichetti, Mushi, blah, 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 blah. Mushi, <laughs> M-U-S-C-H-I-E-T-T-I, <laughs> Mushichetti, Mushietti. Whatever he's he's from Argentina, so God knows exactly how he pronounces this. Really, I mean, like, and I, I think we talked about this back, you know, in, uh, when we talked about the first it movie. This is pretty much like his claim to fame, right? Because like before this, all really all he had made other than some, like a short film and some other things was Mama, in twenty thirteen, and then he got to direct both of these movies, and uh, apparently he's going to direct the new Flash movie, uh, in twenty twenty two or whenever the hell that uh, apparently is a thing. Um, he's produced and written some other stuff, but like. Really, this is this is like this is the thing, right? But getting back to the point, is they really did a good job in this movie, I think. And 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 hats off to uh, the casting director and the producers and everything too. Like, not only casting the kids, you know, in the first movie and everything, but even casting the adults in the second. I think overall they did a damn good job of casting these 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 parts and really putting a lot of uh, thought into it. You know, they didn't just like, well, here's seven kids and uh, here's seven adults that kind of look like them, you know, and a couple big names. And I'm sure they wanted a couple big names just to kind of help sell the movie a little bit, right? But they didn't necessarily need to for all the parts. But that being said, I think they found people that matched the kids very well, you know, for this movie. Mm. Oh, and one thing, it wasn't, uh, what was the name? See, I'm, I'm bad, I get the names mixed up and stuff too. Who was the, the chubby kid? Ben. Ben, yeah. Because what... I think I saw something somewhere. Well, wasn't that supposed to be played by Christopher Platt? I didn't see any like alternative uh, casting for this. I didn't really look into that, but I'm sure they had tons of people lined up. Cause I, I could be pulling that out of my ass, but <laughs> for some reason I thought that he was supposed to originally be played, and it might have been a casting or some kind of issue with his schedule or whatever where he couldn't do it. I forget. Whatever. There was something I thought in there about that. that where yeah, and then I saw something about uh, uh, the dude that was in the Dark Tower movie. Matthew McConaughey? It was a gunslinger. No, oh, the oh, uh, 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 Elba. He, uh, he apparently reached out to try to uh, play the role of Mike. Oh. Yeah, I, I can see that. And, and it's kind of surprising that they went with the guy they went with. Not that he didn't do a good job. I think he did an excellent job. Uh, Isaiah Mustafa. Mm-hmm. Wasn't he the guy that was basically only known for like those Old Spice commercials? Isn't that the dude? Right. <laughs> that's him. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's, oh, been that's in, he's been in a ton of other things, but I'm pretty sure that's the, that's the dude from the Old Spice commercials. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and the funny thing with him is apparently he got called back like six, seven, eight times to to read for the role. And apparently the last time that he got called in, uh, it was like the day before his wedding. So like he had to drop everything, like fly out, go read, and then fly back out and go get married. <laughs> the casting director for this movie was Rich Delia. So that, that's that's probably where a lot of the credit goes to. And I know that uh, uh, the main producer on this movie was Barbara, Barbara Muschietti. That's uh, Andy Muschietti's sister. So they clearly, you know, were able to work hand in hand and and really get into the uh, intricacies of this movie. Like, and this is basically what I could tell from watching that documentary too. Like, they they pretty much ate and lived this for like four or five years. You know, when they were doing both these movies, 
just about the only thing that they worked on this entire time. Truly hats off to them for, you know, arguably, not arguably, I mean, like almost by any measure, the most successful horror movie of all time in the first one and, and, and even in the second one. Um, they deserve most, if not all, the credit for that. What needs to be said about Stephen King, right? This movie is based on his novel. I mean, <laughs> the dude is the horror master. We've discussed him a number of times on other things, and we'll we'll discuss him a thousand times more before this, <laughs> this show is all said and done. So there's not really much to say there. So it stars Jessica Chastain as Beverly Marsh. She would probably best be known for Zero Dark Thirty, Molly's Game, Interstellar, The Tree of Life. Uh, she's got a ton of, I mean, she's got 57 credits that date back to uh, 2004 when she was in like an episode of ER. She was also in that movie Crimson Peak back in uh, 2015, which is a, a really cool movie by Guillermo del Toro that I haven't watched probably since it came out. But I remember that being a cool, you know, it's Guillermo del Toro. It's a, vis, it's a very visual movie, right? So <laughs> that one's definitely one worth uh Going back and checking out, she was in that. James McAvoy is Bill Denbro. He's kind of the the leader of the Losers Club, right? He would he would no, be most known for Filth, Split, Atonement, The Last King of Scotland. Um, of course, he played the young Professor X and all you know those newer uh, X Men movies like Dark Phoenix, Willie's favorite Dark Phoenix, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I still haven't watched yet. Which uh, I guess I shouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> Um, well, why are you making fun of it then? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's great. <laughs> Maybe you know, like you hear so much bad shit, it's almost like that that uh, that last Fantastic Four movie. Like I'd heard so much bad shit, and don't get me wrong, it was bad. Uh, but I had heard so much bad shit, like oh my god, this is the worst fucking thing ever made. And then I sat down and watched it, like you know, two years later or something like that. I'm like, yeah, that sucked, but it wasn't as bad as you know. Everybody painted it out to be, at least in my opinion, you know, but I'm sure I can sit down and watch it now. Like, no, that sucked. You know, I'm not, <laughs> although I, I don't think I'll ever, no, want to... I mean, it's, it's no Cthulhu mansion, but it's yeah. <laughs> the classic Cthulhu mansion coming up next on the spook show podcast. <laughs> For our um, viewers probably don't know what we're talking about because we were, that was something we were discussing outside of the show. But yeah. <laughs> Cthulhu mansion. It's a masterpiece. Oh, I'm sure some people <laughs> that, shit. yeah. I'm sure some people that are listening to this know all about Cthulhu Mansion, you know, and they're like, oh my God, they mentioned it. <laughs> so this stars, it also stars Bill Hader as Richie Tozer. Once again, another uh, really good job of casting, like, you know, comparing it to the younger version, Finn Wolfhard to, to the adult version. And and one of the funniest dudes in Hollywood, right? Bill Hader. I mean, for years on SNL, uh, tons of uh, hilarious movies and shows. He'd probably be best known for the Skeleton Twins. Inside, he was one of the voices in that uh, Disney Pixar movie Inside Out, uh, Trainwreck. Uh, and he's uh, on the HBO series Barry, which I haven't watched, but I've heard that's pretty good. Isaiah Mustafa as Mike Hanlon. Now he he's the uh, the guy that kind of stays in town and brings them back all together in this movie. He's known for this, obviously. And uh, I'm looking through it. Uh, there was a series called Shadow Hunters on Freeform. Uh, the movie Horrible Bosses on IMDb. He's got 42 credits. That date back to 2005. Jay Ryan as Ben Hanscom. Now, this is the uh, grown-up version, obviously, of the uh, kind of uh, chubby kid from the first movie, Ben. He hasn't, I mean, he, he's got 25 credits on uh, IMDb, and he's been in a number of things, but it's mostly been like TV series and stuff like that. Oh, and I, I did look it up while we were talking about it, that uh, Chris Pratt, that played Star-Lord, was supposedly going to be cast as Ben. I don't know what... The only thing I could I couldn't find any information on why he didn't take it. But the only thing I could think of was maybe because I don't know. Guardians Galaxy Volume Two came out in 2017, and then Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom was 2018. So it might have been whenever they were shooting this, it might have been something to do yeah, with. Yeah, they schedule. Sh- 
Yeah, probably because they shot this in, the, like I said, the summer of uh, 2018. So you're, you're probably roughly yeah. in that time frame. Where probably he, that he's uh, he's really busy with all that other big shit. So <laughs> something ha- something has to go right when you're when you're that uh, busy. Yeah. <laughs> James Ranson as Eddie Kasbrack. Once again, another in my opinion, another really good casting choice as far as like the resemblance to the kid from the first one, and just the way he was able to act like the kid from the first one. You know, kind of a, a hypochondriac paranoid but the 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 chemistry between him and bill Hader, you know is richie and uh eddie really shows in this movie i think you know it's really well done good job by both of them for sure uh he'd mostly be known for the movie sinister and sinister 2 generation kill i mean he's got 72 credits on imdb that date back to uh 2001 he was in the American Astronaut, but he's been in a ton of uh, random TV series. Andy Bean is Stanley Uris. Now, he, he's really not in this this much. I mean, it's mostly like you see him at the beginning. And, uh, you know, uh, before I continue, I should add that we are a spoiler-filled podcast. So if for whatever reason you haven't watched this movie, um, pause this. Come back, you know, go watch the movie and then come back later. But his the, the character Stanley, he, he kills himself fairly early on in the movie. It's so, like you don't see this guy very much in it, although, you know, th- I think they do, a, there's flashbacks and stuff to the younger version, and I think you hear his voice and stuff like that later on, but um, his role isn't as big in this movie. Now, I can't remember, maybe Willie will remember this, did, did, did it happen that way in the novel too? Because I don't remember, it's been so long, as far as his character in the novel. Yeah, yeah, he, I'm almost positive he kills himself, or he, he dies himself. like early on. But he does, yeah. I want to say that there was a hint of Pennywise in, in that death. Oh, okay. I don't. Th- I don't think he just took his life. Yeah. Now they they changed it to make it sound like, or they they basically contorted. He didn't want to. Con- yeah. Yeah. Like he was too scared to face Pennywise, yeah. so like he basically killed himself because he he knew it would help bring them together, kind of thing, right? Is the way they kind of played it. But yeah, I think you're right yeah. in the, in the book. Pennywise probably had more of an influence on him doing that. Here, actually, I, I found this in the article. I, I guess I'll edit this in. It says in the book. There's no explanation, no loving note for his wife and friends, and dear Stanley dies with a look of terror on his face. In fact, it's it's not just that there's no note. Stanley's entire suicide is told from the perspective of his wife, meaning we don't get any access to his thought process at all (laughs) in the book. So, yeah, it does happen, but obviously clearly not like that, according to this. But, yeah, uh, Andy Bean, he'd be known for uh, Here Now, the show, the series Power, which was on Stars. Uh, There's a film called Poor Boy. He only has 14 acting credits that go back to 2007, so he hasn't acted a lot. Um, although he has been in, you know, in a few TV series and shows and stuff like that. He was even in Transformers: The Last Night back in 2017, but nothing, uh, nothing enormous until he was uh, Alec Holland in uh, Swamp Thing, the Swamp Thing series that came out back in 2019. That's him. So um, I've still yet to sit down and watch that. I need to. I've heard good things about it, but. Yeah, I haven't either. I yeah. need to do as well. I've, I've heard it's really good. It's just that it's like, oh, I'm going to get watch that and then be just pissed off that it ends. Yeah, just like that, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that, Honestly, I, same thought here. That's like part of why I haven't like sat down and watched it yet. Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise, once again, you know, just as the, uh, he reprises the role from the first one. What can you say about this guy in this in this role as Pennywise, man? Like, but this dude will probably go on to be a great actor for many years and, and be known for a lot of things. But, man, this has got to be, like, his his moment in the sun, right? Like, it's going to be hard to top this is my point. Yeah, it's going to be like, uh, you know, they're like like Robert England. <laughs> yeah, almost, you know, Robert yeah. England's done all kinds of other things and all kinds of other great things. But he's always Freddy Krueger. 
<laughs> I think Bill Skarsgård will be very successful in everything he does. But if if he decided to retire today, like I'm done, I ain't doing nothing else, he will make a hell of a living the rest of his days on the, of on the convention circuit. <laughs> on the convention circuit. In the convention circuit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just taking photo ops as Pennywise because, like, the the look on his face, obviously, you know, there's clown makeup and there's some there's a lot of CGI going on, right? But like when you get down to its core, like it's him doing a lot of this stuff. Like oh yeah, the shape of his mouth, a lot of uh, almost every and his eyes, right? I heard that he do that, that he can do that trick with his eyes, right? Oh yeah, because yeah. that wasn't that wasn't yeah, CG. Like he, well, he I mean, make, I don't know if necessarily all of it. <laughs> yeah, like Maybe one, some of it it's like one eye like looking down and his other eye looking to the side. It's like it's all fucked up, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's not CGI. Or I'm, like you said, I'm sure there's some of that, but that's him doing that. Um, a lot of the yeah. scene. A lot of the scenes where you see him like up in a, up in one of the kids or the or, or the people's face and he's drooling, that's not once again that's not like CGI <laughs> shit. Like he's actually like legit drooling. Like he would just get so much into it, he would start like you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, what's uh, cool about this movie too is we get to see him as a human or whatever you want it in human form as he's putting the makeup on. You you get to see the actor, is it, and you see him doing this thing as Pennywise without the makeup on, and it's like well he's just as just as creepy as he is when he's fully done up. <laughs> I've seen, I have seen no allusion to this anywhere, but this is just my thought. Am I the only one that looks at the human version of, of, of him Pennywise? And he almost looks like the, like the, the dressed up nice looking version of Jack Nicholson. in at the end of the shining, Go, you know, like at the very, <laughs> yeah, at the yeah, very end, that. at the very end of the shining, when you see him in the picture, yeah. like uh happy in new year, 1921 yeah. or whatever the fuck it was. Right. And his hair slicked back and all that. <laughs> Yeah. That, that young version of him almost looks exactly like yeah. that. <laughs> and and maybe that was on purpose. I mean, that I could have been. It could have been an homage or nod to, you know, the other two, you know, Stephen King still. Was, yeah, yeah, exactly. Even though it's in a movie. Still, mm-hmm. it's, it could be. I mean, I didn't think, I didn't put that together until you mentioned that. It's a strange coincidence or a nod to it, yeah. And it could be a strange coincidence. It could be, you know, just the look on his face, like the way he's doing his lips and all that. You know, maybe it kind of makes him look a little bit like Jack Nicholson, and that's what I'm thinking of, but... I swear, man, like, and I, and not only did I notice that this time, obviously, when you see him, you know, for a couple minutes in the movie, but even in the first one, when they show, remember when, like, I think it's Ben in the library looking in the book, like at the history of dairy or whatever, and you see a picture of him mm-hmm. like that. Even, oh, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. then I was like, damn, that looks like, yes. uh, you know, a dude from uh, The Shining, you know, Jack Nicholson or whatever. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I said, I've seen no one mention the allusion to that, and that might be what they were aiming for. It could just be coincidence. I don't know, but I just thought I'd point that out. Yeah, back to Bill Skarsgård, though, man, just awesome. And, and even like the stuff at the end, you know, with the the spider version of Pennywise and all that stuff, and then when he shrinks and all that stuff, that's him like doing uh, the mocap stuff, you know, the motion capture stuff. Obviously, a lot of CGI there, but even when like he's shrinking up and melting, that's him. Like they even set up like a thing where like. You know, when he's kind of like down to his smallest point, right? They've made him like extremely small and he's like, it's almost like he's melting into the little uh, pod or whatever the hell that is. Like this little alien structure that they're standing on. They rigged up like a thing where like, it looks like his body is melted into it, but his head's sticking out. That's him, you know? And they they like stapled the head to the side of it and everything. Like it's still him acting in it, you know? So like he did a damn good job in this movie, man. Like all credit goes to him for like bringing this version of Pennywise to life. Obviously, like I said, this will be the thing he'll he'll, he'll forever be mostly known for. But he actually did have a big role in Deadpool two, uh, the movie Allegiant. He's from uh, Sweden. His brother is a is a uh, big actor as well. Uh, uh, Alexander Skarsgård, the guy that mm-hmm. was yeah 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 he was in uh, uh, True Blood that series on HBO a few years ago. 
and that that Legend of Tarzan movie that came out like back in 2016. Good acting family there for sure. Did either of you guys watch uh, that show that was on Hulu called uh, Castle Rock? That was kind of like mixing together like the Stephen King universe and kind of its own thing going oh, yeah. on. I need to get back to it. I started it. I think I saw about one or two episodes into it, and I just I liked it, but I just never got back. Yeah, to it. he he was in that as well. Like one of the main guys, at least in the first season. Like I I still haven't watched like the season two. I'm not. Did it even make it to a season three? I can't recall, but I know there was there definitely was a season two, maybe a season three. And that first season, man, like uh, he does a great job. I, like in that, they just call him the kid. Like he ne- doesn't really have a name. And of course, all of the uh, the young, uh, pretty much all of the young actors come back from the first movie. Jaden Martell as uh, Bill, Wyatt Olaf as Stanley, Jack Dylan Grazer as Eddie, Finn Wolfhard as Richie, Sophia Lillis as Beverly, Chosen Jacobs as Mike. And Jeremy Ray Taylor has been. And uh, the same kid that played the young Henry Bowers, Nicholas Hamilton, he comes back. And then, of course, you have Teach Grant in this movie as Henry Bowers. He would be known for uh, a movie called Down Here, one called Braven. He was in The Tall Man. Uh, He has 80 acting credits that date back to 1999. He was in uh, a movie called Limp. (laughs) This is hilarious. (laughs) Just just as one of those things that, like, lines up perfectly. Uh, His first movie was called Limp. His second one was a TV movie called Becoming Dick. <laughs> Limp Becoming Dick. <laughs> and and there, there's a few other people to mention. Obviously, Stephen King, like we mentioned earlier, I forgot to mention that he's in this movie as like a a, a shopkeeper, <laughs> which, which which was the perfect role for him. Like, he plays it perfectly. And I think it was in that documentary somebody pointed out, like, yeah, he's like the only dude in the movie, like, truly acting like he's from Maine. Because, you know, <laughs> this whole movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His voice, I mean, <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, He's you know, got I the guess f- he's just speaking in his voice or what his normal speaking voice, but I think he's laying yeah, it on. Yeah, I think he's didn't... laying it on a little thicker than usual, but yeah, he, yeah, a little thicker than usual. Yeah. Probably. like kind of like he does in the novels because he makes it a point in his novels sometimes to talk about an accent, even if he doesn't necessarily have the person talk in that accent through the whole novel. Yeah, I know he brings it up a lot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, all of his books, like like I said, if you, if you're a fan of Stephen King and you've read it, almost every one of his books has some tie to the state of Maine because that's where he grew up and lives. That's another point too. Is like this this town Derry in this in this movie and in the book, it's not a real town in Maine. It's supposed to be like basically his fucked up version of Bangor, Maine. <laughs> is what this is. Yeah, like Castle Rock, basically too, right? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Castle Rock is his fictional town. Yeah, that he created for that. I had one thing that I just mentioned as a. And we're talking about that scene with Stephen King in the shop too, and the, and it's sort of a running sort of end joke. I think it happens maybe once or twice other places in the movie about him. You know, he's an author. Uh, what's his name? the the character in the movie that's an author? Bill uh, Dembro. Bill, because you know Stephen King always puts an a writer, or not always, but a lot of times puts a writer in the novel that's kind of him, sort of. Yeah. And uh, and the ongoing sort of end joke in here, and it, again, I don't remember if this was in the novel or not. It might have been, but. Was that Bill can't? He's not good at ending his stories. He doesn't know how to end them, and that yeah. we see that at the beginning of the movie. We, we'll get into when we get to the movie how he's you know, working on this movie. Is he's a scriptwriter or whatever? How you know that he's criticized for not having a good ending or whatever, not having an ending or whatever the case may be. And that's what <laughs> Stephen King himself has pretty much always been criticized of is not knowing how to end his books and not ending them in a way that most people are like, oh yeah, it's a great ending or whatever, you know. That's that's so, uh, probably that's just funny little joke that makes fun of himself in that shopkeeper scene too. I would imagine that's probably just from the criticism that his books are so damn long. You know, a lot of them. Like it's not just one here yeah. or there. Like a lot of his books are really long. So there probably is, there might be something to that. You know, like <laughs> I just yeah, because I, I, I think he's like he's got so much depth and detail going into these stories that when he gets to the end, he just kind of like 
like, eh, here's this ending, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Let's like, it ending. Like, people criticized it way back when of, of you know, well, this, well, it's all of a sudden this weird spider alien, dude, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell is that? I remember that when people saw the, the first miniseries when it came out, I guess, you know, you read the novel, the stuff's in there in the novel, too, but back then, you know, when that miniseries or whatever it was hit the TV, that was the main criticism of it was the ending. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that was Stephen King's ending of the novel. So it's, he just, and he's got some other criticisms, I guess, going on there as far as his, his other novels, the way they end sometimes. So that I guess it was a running in joke with him himself, you know, making fun of himself, saying that Bill goes, no, what do you say? I didn't read it or I didn't get to No, Or do you want me to sign that for you? You know, he's, yeah, nah, no, sorry. That, I didn't really like your ending or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or the, no, I'm good. Yeah. The, the ending was terrible. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's funny that he can laugh at himself that way, you know, as far as, cause I mean, that's, that's the end joke of it. Yeah. Cause Bill, that Bill character is supposed to be sort of him in a way. Well, uh, something else like in that same scene, uh, apparently there's a license plate back on the wall. It's the uh, same license plate from Christine, you know, as oh, far yeah. as like uh, the letters and numbers. That's funny. I didn't catch that, but uh, it, uh, there was one time somewhere in the movie where you see a bunch of old cars. I guess it's around that you know that piece of shit old well house, you know where Pennywise lives. I saw some cars, and I was wondering if one of those cars was like Christine. I was actually like, kind of actively looking for it, which I don't think it was, and I hadn't heard that anywhere. But that's funny that you mentioned that because I was like, you, any anything to do with Stephen King, you're always looking for shit in the background. You like, oh yeah, some illusion yeah. to another one of his books or something. You know that. They usually always do it. And I might I probably mentioned this when we did the first go around with the chapter one, the the, the blue Trans Am that Bowers drove in the first one and then it reappears in the second one mm-hmm. was uh, the car and sleepwalkers. Oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if any, and if anybody's ever read the Dark Tower series, there's a reason for a lot of these tie ins, because like basically almost everything Stephen King has ever written is tied together in some small way by the Dark Tower. Like, almost everything. Not every single thing, but almost every novel and book he's written has some connection to the Dark Tower series. You know, that that book kind of weaves in and out of his other books. So, it's it's natural if you're a Stephen King fan to kind of look for other thing, other things when you're watching these movies or reading other books, you know, because they, they, they truly are all kind of tied together in a, in a sm- in small ways. Some bigger than others, but in small ways, they're all tied together. Was there anything uh, else? And then one more thing. This is super, super random. This is going to be the last one. Uh, you know, they, they keep pushing out, you know, like uh, Pennywise comes out every 27 years, right? The movie came out September 6, 2019. You add each of those numbers up, adds up to 27. Yeah, <laughs> that again. <laughs> you go to uh, chapter one. It was released September 8, 2017. You add those numbers up, 27. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then completely, like, like same thing, but the, the two actors uh, that played Mike and the two actors that played Henry, they're separated by 27 years. Yeah, that's some, uh, that's some thought put <laughs> into it. <laughs> yeah, it's some thought put into it for sure, if nothing else. Like, you know, th- th- those things aren't coincidental, right? Hurry, hurry, step right this way, folks, for the most extravagant array of refreshment goodies ever assembled under one roof. Enjoy breathtaking, taste-tempting candies of finest quality. Enjoy popcorn exploded into tender, delicious, crispy bites of crunchy goodness. Enjoy the tops in cool, refreshing soft drinks. If you want to enjoy some refreshments, this is your opportunity. There will now be a short intermission. For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. 
Um, since we're on the, the topic of old Stephen King, I figured I'd pull up some of his novels. Now, there's actually a couple of them on, on, that you can go on Audible and pre-order right now. One's called Later by Stephen King, um, which is about six and a half hours long. That one comes out March 2nd of 2021. And then there's another new one. I guess this is one of his new... That, that That's definitely on the short... Later, that's on the shorter end of a Stephen King book for sure. So one of his bigger novels, you know, his normal size novels is coming out August 3rd of 2021, and it's called Billy Summers. And that one is about 16 and a half hours long. Still, you know, nowhere near uh, the old uh, The Stand or It or anything like that, but that's your regular size novel for sure. So later, and Billy Summers coming out later this year, you can uh, go ahead and pre-order those on Audible. Any of that picture your interest if you're a big Stephen King fan? If you can't find his stuff on there, if it ain't all on there, most of it's probably on there, right? As a matter of fact, I I actually just went through and uh, bought the Green Mile today. Yeah, another another good one, really good. And that one actually, like when it originally came out, was like one of those deals where like it came out in, like a six or seven part novellas or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, rem- I remember that being a thing, like going to the store and seeing it. Like here's the Green Mile Part One, here's the Green Mile Part Two. It was like smaller books, and then you know you had to buy all of them at one, you know, and then eventually they all, you know, they put them together and released it as one book, but. Um, yeah, another classic, and that movie was terrific too. But anyways, yeah. So if any of that stuff interests you, uh, uh, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com/spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com/spookshow for your free audiobook. So uh, I guess before we get into the movie itself, I, I, I kind of forgot we can point out some of the differences. In, uh, you know, at least from this article that I found on Collider from uh, a couple years ago. I guess this was around the time that this movie came out. Um, it points out some of the differences, like apparently some of their spouses, you know, like the the losers, right? The losers club, their spouses played bigger roles uh, in the novel than they did in this movie. Like they're barely mentioned or even seen, right? And that was the other one that we've, we I forgot to point out. Uh, Eddie, the woman that he marries, this yeah. is basically <laughs> that's basically like his mom. It's the same woman that played his mom in the first movie. Just like, you know, without all the aging makeup and stuff like that. It's the same lady. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, they had to do that joke, right? Like, he married a, he married a woman exactly like his mom because of the way he was. <laughs> oh, I, I'm surprised I didn't mention this earlier. Uh, You're you talking about age in, in that one. Uh, like, all the all the kids in the movie in the two years had, like, uh, gotten taller. Their face had changed. Their, their voice had changed. So they had to go through and uh, do anti-aging on children. Uh, and then they had to go and like put their audio through a, a filter to make their uh, their voices higher pitched. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of post production into that because like I saw that in that little documentary that I watched on the Blu-ray that it said that when they filmed the first movie in the summer of 2016, all those kids were like between the ages of 12 and 13. Well, then fast forward to <laughs> right as puberty was going. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, fast like forward, it, yeah. it's it's only two years. Change everything. Yeah, it's only two years, but now those same kids are 14 and 15. So that's like you said, that's puberty. That's like those are two enormous growth years for yeah, just about any, you know. So like you say, a voice changes, yeah, total appearance in some cases. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it kind of had oh, yeah. for some of them, you know, like they looked a lot different. Yeah, yeah, apparently, like one of the kids grew like seven inches in that two years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, those are those years, man. Those are those formative years, like you said, like where you basically go from like middle school to high school. So your mentality changes, like you said, your voice, your your body. Your look, everything. I mean, it changes drastically. So, it, yeah, it's only two years, but it's a very big two years for anyone's life, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, they might have been smarter to maybe 
either film all of it at the same time or maybe get a slightly younger cast and kind of age them up, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like, if you've got a bunch of, like, 9, 10, 11-year-olds to play these parts and instead, you know, maybe you wouldn't have had so much growth in two years. I don't know. You know, it's just a thought. But probably the easiest way to get around it would have been to, like, really put some forethought into it and, like, film their scenes before... You know, so you wouldn't have to go through all that. But either way, regardless, I think they did a good job of it because you don't notice it. Like, unless we, you know, we're sitting here pointing these things out and you read it and you knew it, you probably wouldn't really know it, right? They did they did an awesome job with it. You wouldn't, I don't think it's so over the top that you would have noticed it if you didn't know that. No, I didn't know. I didn't read about that and I didn't even realize it either. So, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't glare at you know, like some of the other, like some other things I've done as far as, you know, you've seen some movies where they got anti-aging. Oh yeah. CG applied to it. And you can, it, it still might be very, very effective, but you can kind of tell. But yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even notice any of that. I wouldn't have even known the difference. If you especially with a lot of the deep, that. especially with a lot of the deep fake stuff going around these days now. And oh yeah, uh, some of that yeah. type of stuff in the Star Wars movies comes to mind. You know, like where they're where they're bringing yeah. dead people back, yeah. or or you know, someone they're trying to de-age yeah. them by thirty years, <laughs> stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah, that's obviously more. <laughs> yeah, you can tell. I mean, it, it's obvious. But yeah, I'm, it's commendable enough. I guess it does the it does the trick uh, what they're going for. But you can tell. Yeah, mm-hmm. couldn't tell with this one. Now, again, we might be just talking about because they're they're just de-aging them by two years. Apparently, uh, it looks like in the books, like Beverly having these visions and stuff of like their deaths and all that stuff. Like apparently like that was kind of a part of it, but like they didn't really, it wasn't as big a part of it in the in the novel as it was in the in the movies yeah her husband played a, a bigger part in it too the kid that uh, uh which they call in this article that i'm reading they call him dean you know the kid that uh pennywise eventually gets that bill's trying to help save you know it's kind of like the georgie part really you know he's kind of fucking with him with it apparently that didn't happen in the book there, there were other kids that that died and everything in the novel but just not this kid that way right it was that, that was completely added in the smoke hole excuse me there's something called the smoke hole. Oh. <laughs> Not you. Yeah, uh, I have one of those. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that is that where uh, uh, the people died, like burnt to death? Because like no. Mike's parents, like like Mike's parents, I don't think that had anything to do with that. Like he wasn't like sitting right outside when that happened. Like like that was like something that happened. I think like in the like 30s or something mm-hmm. in the book and. Like uh, a bunch of people got burned alive in there, and I think I remember like a bunch of people coming out of the woods, and and it was like it was supposed to be, I guess, what was considered back then a, I guess, a black person hangout, mm-hmm. and uh, apparently, like you know, as as it got popular, you know, like some of the younger kids, you know, like younger teens, you know, started going out there, and it became a thing, and then like a uh, one night, like a bunch of. Uh, uh, racist, like, like clans members, like went out there and like burn it and like, like nailed the door shut and all this stuff. Like it was like a whole thing. Oh yeah. And see, that's where you get the big difference between the big, the huge difference between the novel and the movie is that in the novel, when they're younger, you know, he wrote that novel in the eighties. So when they're younger, they're in the fifties. So yeah. that, that yeah. was kind of interesting about watching the original series and reading the novel is, you know, I'm not as familiar with the things that are going on in the 50s because, of course, I didn't grow up in that time. But then now, when the movie's being made at this time and they're growing up these kids in the 80s, there's a lot of societal, social differences from those time period eras that show up in the novel 
that aren't, you know, in the movie or that they don't necessarily have to elaborate on in the movie, I guess, that they yeah. did in the novel. Yeah, because in the first movie, it's it's set in 1989. And then this yeah. movie is 27 years later. So what's what's the quick math there? 28, I guess it's 28, yeah. 17, 28, whatever the math is. So yeah, that that's definitely a big difference between the book and this for sure. It's time period. Another one is The Ritual of Chud. Apparently, like, this was done completely differently in the movie as it was to the book. Now, just, you know, I'm not reading through this whole thing, this Collider article, but, like, apparently uh, the whole thing is batshit crazy in general, right? <laughs> but it's even more batshit crazy in the book, like, uh, as far as the this ritual, this old Indian ritual or whatever that they're trying to do to kill it. And that it, it's it's a bigger part and, and goes a little nuttier even in the books than it did here in the in the movie and then apparently it's it's just as ineffective in the book as it is <laughs> as it is in the movie i think that plays into that whole uh criticism of stephen king too that, that's one of the things i was talking about where people would criticize like what the hell is this indian thing coming from now and then and then he turns into this you know that once we get to the what pennywise turns into that one yeah that was one of the things that was lauded at this book and at the original miniseries movie. apparently eddie's death in the book uh it still happens but it happens a different way and it's and it's uh even more uh, or it's, it says here it's even harder richie and bill are locked in, in a telepathic battle with it during the ritual of chud but eddie hears richie's cries that they're losing summoning all his childhood belief in in his inhaler his belief in the good medicine strong medicine his mother gave him before he knew it was a placebo eddie fires his aspirator down its throat and severely injures it he also loses his arm in the process lying in beverly's lap eddie quickly bleeds out and then eddie comes up and he's you know it's a whole thing but either way like richie is completely you know upset about by this uh in both versions so and then there's apparently there's the whole thing about like richie and eddie's sexuality throughout the like the book and the novel or uh, in the movie because you know you you once again you know that kind of spoiler you know for toward the end of the movie when you see him like when Richie, after Eddie dies and Richie goes and like scratches the little name in the, in the little fence post there, it's R plus E. They never come, it's like they almost never come right out and say that like the, uh, I guess Richie was gay and he was in love with Eddie, but I guess Eddie wasn't aware of it. Is that kind of what the story is here? Like between the two? It wasn't there another, the there was a scene, scene in the arcade too, right? Or in the, in yeah. the movie theater arcade. Yeah, dealt with. Yeah, uh, yeah but uh, even that one like kind of came out of nowhere because like uh, yeah. they were playing games and it was like, hey, uh, if you want to keep playing, here's a quarter. <laughs> yeah, and then and then uh, the the dude comes in and you know starts calling him names. Yeah, but it was just like Bowers. It was well, Bowers. That, was it yeah. Bowers' cousin or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When he was playing game, the arcade game with him. Yeah. Yeah, but that just kind of came out of left field of like, what, what, yeah. what just happened? <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Rewind. <laughs> I don't understand. And what? <laughs> <laughs> and, and even back then, like this, like that would have been what? What year was it? We're talking about nineteen eighty. Was that eighty nine? Was that after ninety ninety? No, it was nineteen eighty nine. Events after the first movie. No, no. Was remember that was. Oh. Yeah, remember that, yeah, that was, was during that summer. Remember, that they was, had like a big fight. <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah. it's supposed to still be during that. They kind of go back and tell the story of when they had the, right. the falling out, and then they all kind of went their separate oh. ways for like yeah. a month or so or whatever. The that's hell. right. Yeah. 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 So it's still the summer <laughs> of eighty nine. So yeah, that's, that's like you said. That scene kind of coming out of nowhere, like. Like I don't, I don't even think most kids would have put that together that he was trying to, you know, come on to him in some, you know, <laughs> just because oh you want, oh you want to play the game again, you know, and then all of a sudden Bowers comes in and calls him, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they just go into that whole thing and it's like that's pretty vague comment for you to, to get that to that point with that. <laughs> well, clearly that you know the the whole Bauer gang or whatever, right? They're like on the edge, wanting to beat the shit out of uh, everybody for every yeah. reason, you know, at all times. So I guess I could see that, like. Hey, this dude's uh, yeah. 
this dude's a queer, you know, let's let's beat the crap out of him. I guess I can see that part of it, but like like you said, that kid jumped on it uh jumped to the conclusion really fast for no reason, you know. Well, like you're saying too in the eighties, that was just a thing anyways, as far as Yeah, you know, unfortunately the, like, people you, caught, you, gay, you, you know, like yeah, that was yeah. just sort of a it wasn't that you thought that somebody was or something, it was just a a slur that you were throwing at them as, you know, it was just Yeah, yeah, exactly. It yeah, was like, a different time as far as it was when you were saying that in high school to somebody, it didn't mean that you thought they were. It was just a expletive of like calling somebody a bastard or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's just the way it was back then. Uh, you know, as as bad yeah. as it was now, to look back on that's just kind of the way it was. So that that all makes sense. But like you said, it was a it was a conclusion to jump to out of nowhere. Like, hey, let's keep playing yeah. Street Fighter. <laughs> hey, you queer? What? You know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you you want to play Street Fighter around two? That you must be really gay then. Yeah, so uh, apparently there there were allusions to both of these things in the book and in the movie, obviously, but it's like they never really come right out yeah. and say like. So I guess that that's just kind of like one of those hanging threads. It's just kind of out there. Like I guess Richie was uh, was uh, gay for Eddie. I guess is the thing, right? And like he had feelings for him, but just never, you know, knew how to express it. Yeah. I guess in the end, that was that was in the novel you said too. Like, the, yeah, they're again, like the same same vagueness in the novel. I guess. Yeah, I, I guess know. so. Yeah, like it's apparently like the, there, it's the there. Book. There's something there in the novel, although probably not portrayed the same way. There's something there, and I guess this yeah. has always been like a debate between like Stephen King fans or something about this whole thing. You know, uh, between oh, okay. between the novel and the uh, movie. So, and like you said, the uh, uh, apparently uh, uh, Henry Bowers has a different role from the book to the movie. So, and, and I'm sure there's plenty of other. Uh, things uh, Mike apparently that his end and everything happened there, uh, and apparently there's a slightly happier ending in the book and all that. But we, once again, you know, we could probably have a whole separate podcast just on the differences between these, you know, <laughs> just from what I'm reading here. So, uh, just in the uh, in the interest of time, we'll go ahead and uh, move forward from that. <laughs> and I'm, and there's tons of articles <laughs> you can go Google yourself. There's tons of articles about the differences between the movie and the novel, both both you know both uh, movies and the novel. So. Um, so we'll get into the film itself. So it starts with like, you know, you kind of go back to the, the scene when they're kids where Beverly is like caught in the deadlights and she's floating. And then it says September 1989. And then you see the whole like blood oath scene play out again. Like, all right, if he comes back in 27 years, you know, uh, we'll come back and take care of him. You know, and they all kind of like cut their hands and, uh, you know, take the oath to come back. Then it says, it cut really deep instead of just scraping. <laughs> oh yeah, like you could easily just like nick your hand and then shake your hands or something. Like they, they take like a chunk of like pop bottle and like gouge their damn hand over. Dig it. in, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So twenty seven years later, and then like uh, uh, there's these this this group of goons like like just randomly beat the crap out of this gay couple at like a, a fair. And then they just throw, the, like, they beat the turd out of, like, the uh, one guy, and then they throw him off of a bridge and into the water. And then the other, you know, his uh, his boyfriend runs down to help him in the water. And uh, across the river, you see Pennywise, like, pull the guy out of the water and then just, like, you know, go monster for a second. You know how Pennywise does where, like, you, you know, you see his, like, uh, true form for a second where his mouth opens up and you see all the teeth. He bites down and, like, eats the dude's heart. And then, like, you know, basically right out of his chest. And then you see, like, hundreds of balloons flying all over everywhere. Then Mike, goes, who still lives in Derry, goes to the scene of this crime, you know, where someone's died. And the cops are there and everything. And he looks and he sees Come Home written all over the bridge. Because this is, like, right up underneath the bridge. That's when you see the title screen, It Chapter 2. Uh, what would y'all think of this little opening scene? Uh, all that stuff with the 
that just the whole, I mean, that's probably like the first 10 or 15 minutes of the movie there is described. What'd y'all think of it? Oh, I mean, I thought it was good. I mean, that kind of follows along with like the first part of the book. Yeah, it, it definitely kind of, uh, it's, it's, it's a uh, hundred miles an hour right from the go, right? Like, you know, you, you get right back <laughs> yeah. into this yeah. world real quick, you know, <laughs> that's 27 years. Here he is again. <laughs> yeah, there he is. Here, here, here he's <laughs> back. Is. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> so then like, there's a whole, uh, you know, series of scenes here where Mike, has to call, you know, now that this has happened, Mike has to call everybody back. So he calls Bill. Bill's like, uh, he's got like a career. He's married. He's got a career writing a movie. Then there's another scene of him calling Eddie. And Eddie's talk. this is when you see like Eddie's wife, you know, that looks like his mom, right? It's the same lady. And uh, he's driving while he's talking. Then like he gets into an accident while he's uh, driving. Richie has uh, now grown up to be like a stand-up comedian. <laughs> like, and his his introduction is pretty funny too. Like he yaks as soon as, like, <laughs> like you just see him like run out the back door and yak. Uh, it made him like physically ill when Mike called him to tell him to come back. Ben, he's now like a, a, a rich architect, you know, who like, I guess runs some architect firm or something. Stanley, you cut to him and like, he's, he's doing a puzzle in his house with his wife or whatever. And like, he gets the call and basically goes into the bathroom and cuts his wrist. <laughs> and then, you know, as you turn out, you know, it becomes a bigger part of the story later on, obviously, but like, yeah, he just, he's just like, nope, I ain't doing this and goes in and kills himself. <laughs> Beverly is in, like, some abusive relationship who, I'm guessing, like, this guy's, like, a rich dude or something. Like, they, they don't really follow up on that too much, you know? Like, I guess just to show that, like, a lot of these kids have had, like, you know, they've all been, in, in their own ways, I guess, successful, but they've also had, like, tortured existences where they kind of, like, play their own childhood childhoods out for the rest of their lives, kind of, right? Like, she marries some dude that beats the crap out of her. Eddie marries a woman that's just like his mom, you know, all these other things, right? Like, you can see narratively where they're going with it. But she manages to get out of there. And then this is the scene right after this where you see Henry Bowers. Like, apparently he survived that that uh, god-awful fall down the well from the first movie. And he, like, washes out of the sewer with, like, a bunch of uh, dead bodies. Then he walks home. You know, now remember, you go back to the first movie, you remember what he had done. He had killed his dad in the house before he went to, you know, go chase after the losers. Um, so now the cops are there and like, as soon as he shows up, he gets arrested. So you fast forward 27 years. Now he's in like a mental hospital. And what, what'd you think of the whole, like the corpse of, uh, his friend Patrick who came back to like, <laughs> he gives him the switchblade and then like he drives him away in that, uh, trans or whatever that was. <laughs> yeah. So like, is that real or is that just like him seeing shit? Because like, uh, what what'd you make of that whole thing? I just took it as you know that's still an extension of Pennywise. Yeah, I mean same here. Because I, I mean I don't is it either because he's in the mental institution. He's obviously went nuts anyways after all the stuff that happened. So, but still somebody had to get the car there. I mean he didn't just already have it. So yeah, I think it's some supernatural aspect of having to do with Pennywise rather than just from his own deranged mind or something. Yeah. So then there's a big losers club reunion at the Chinese restaurant. Like they, so they all decide to come back to dairy and they meet at this Chinese restaurant. Basically the, the, to summarize this whole meeting, like basically they forgot everything, right? Like they were aware that something messed, messed up happened. I guess they're kind of aware that something messed up happened in their childhood. Right. I guess to some degree, but it's like they don't remember really growing up in Derry or yeah. something. It's like they all moved away and just kind of forgot about it. Except for Mike because he didn't leave. Like, so, cause he still lives in Derry. He still obviously is like, you know, all into this and, you know, still, he, so he's been like planning and thinking about it for 27 years. Meanwhile, everyone else just moved out and kind of just forgot about it. So then like they're, they're kind of talking about bringing themselves up on memories and, and you know, the, the past and everything. And they come to this conclusion that they had forgot about something. And then they open up fortune cookies and like, 
they put the words together. Like, it's just one word in each fortune cookie, and they put the words together, and it says, guess Stanley could not cut it because Stanley hadn't uh, showed up for this reunion that they have. And then all of a sudden, creatures start, like, popping out of the cookies and stuff. Like, <laughs> little cr- <laughs> there's one that's like a little crab, but it's got, like, a baby's, like, a human baby head on it, and these things are, <laughs> these things are all fucked one up. One bat wing comes out of one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the, obviously they're freaking out, and then they just start. I think it's hilarious. Mike takes like a chair and he's beating the shit out of the table. Meanwhile, like the waitress comes in, and like she doesn't and see nothing's wrong. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't see anything. <laughs> but the funny thing was, like, it looks like she sees that he's doing that. Like she doesn't see the little creatures and all the shit going on, right? But she sees that he's beating the shit out of the table. But she doesn't react to that. She's just like, "Can I get you anything else? <laughs> like, you want a refill of that tea or something?" Like, meanwhile, he's taking a chair and like bashing the table in. <laughs> So then that's, this is when they realize, like, they they actually call Stanley and they find out that, like, he had killed himself. So, like, now they're just like, all right, well, fuck this. You know, Stanley's dead. I don't know what's going on. I'm getting the hell out of here. I'm not dealing with this. So they all kind of split up. Then you have, like, right after this, you have a scene of uh, Pennywise eating a girl, like a little girl, underneath the stands of a baseball game. Like, it, it's kind of out of nowhere, but I, I guess, you, you know, it's just to show that Pennywise is back at it, right? Um, cause you know, this girl isn't connected to anything else or anything, but you know, you did see her briefly earlier in the movie, like at the fair, mm. but what'd you think of that whole scene where like he's up underneath the stands and, uh, it's just messed up how they always portray like Pennywise fucking with little kids and it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what it reminded me of was the first, you know, George, of course, Georgie scene in the first movie. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of a playing out of that, even though, like I said, this girl, she's not connected the way Georgie was to the story, but yeah, just kind of showing how messed up he is with eating kids. Yeah, <laughs> it's messed up to eat kids, as it turns out. <laughs> yeah, it's upsetting. <laughs> it's just it, it is like I, I guess I I have more of a a heart for those type of things in these movies anymore that I have kids yeah. that I have kids now. Oh so yeah, ah like, oh, damn it, you know like <laughs> run yeah. run little girl, you know like meanwhile before I had kids, you know I would have been like yeah eat her ass, you know <laughs> tear her up Pennywise, you know you just you just it hits you differently i guess i don't know it's um, also a difference kind of with the movies and things at the time and 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 not in between novels like novels a lot of times horror novels they they break those taboos all the time even back then and stuff but movies in the 80s and 70s and 80s, a lot of times they would try to you know they would they would stray away from anything happening to kids the kids were usually safe and off limit and that's just i think it's just, it's just a it's one of those taboo subjects you didn't really do that with but novels kind of did. I don't remember now. It's been a while since I've seen the original It miniseries. How did they play that off with Georgie in that one? I can't even remember how that played out. I mean, I know what happened, but I don't. I'm sure it wasn't as brutal. It wasn't. It as, was. Yeah, if my recollection, it wasn't as brutal. I think he just kind of grabbed him, yeah. pulled him down into the sewer, like, pulled him in. Yeah, you got to take into consideration. Not only was that what 1990, but it was also like an ABC miniseries. So like. They're yeah, not, ABC. Yeah, there's nothing even if it had been a movie in 1990, they probably still wouldn't have yeah. shown it the way they did in this one. Yeah, exactly. In the it, chapter one, uh, it, even that, though that's the kind of way it happens in the novel. Like, so that's just one of those taboos that were that the novels didn't have to worry about. They, all kind of horrible things happen in novels, no matter who it was, because you didn't have to. You know, your mind's eye plays it out. Movie wise, yeah, you didn't see that. Before we continue on the movie, that reminds me, like you talked about, like brutality with kids or whatever. Like that's the this is the second time we've watched like a Stephen King adaptation is that's more brutal. Like on film, like you know the fart, fart, the the fact, <laughs> that, like in these movies, it's so brutal on kids, right? What was the uh, the one that we just watched like last summer? Um, uh, damn it, I'm Doctor Sleep. Remember the whole scene oh, yeah. with the, yeah. the the baseball kid where they just beat yeah. the shit out of that yeah. kid to uh, and stab him and stuff to take his uh, 
basically take his so, soul or whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like that's another uh scene that like you probably wouldn't have seen, you know, like you said in the eighties or nineties. And I never I never did get to read still haven't read Doctor Sleep yet. And did either of us have, have you either of y'all have read it? No, I haven't. Yeah. I think Will had, right? Yeah. Oh, so it played out that way in the novel, or, or did they extend, or was that something that was different, or not even in the novel? Uh, he was definitely in the uh, in the novel, and they you know they went and dug him up later, kind of in somewhat the same way, but I, oh. I forget exactly how he died. Now remember, yeah. like, like, now remember, uh, I, I'm not sure if it happened exactly the same way, but and I haven't read the book, but I do remember when we did that episode. Remember, I read that st- later on that Stephen King himself when he's sitting there watching it he looks over at the guy that directed it and he's like damn dude you know like, yeah yeah that's <laughs> even, right yeah i do remember he us discussing was, that yeah, yeah yeah even he was like jesus you know so <laughs> yeah yeah i'm, I'm know, almost positive like in, in the book for dr sleep like, like they tortured the kids as far as like freaking them out and making them as scared as humanly possible because it was it was supposed to make like, I think they were essentially like it wasn't really getting their soul; it was getting the essence of their shine or something like that. Yeah, yeah, they were trying to get uh, the shine out, and, and it made it richer or something like that. So, like they would they would mess with like the kids before they actually took their life. Yeah, they were like psychic yeah. vampires. I think it was kind of the way it was described. Yeah. And like, yeah, basically they they wanted them to be the as more the, as possible. the more the fear, the better the, yeah. the shine. <laughs> yeah, they said they weren't yeah. outright killing him; they were just stabbing him and like you know terrorizing him just so they could get the you know the pure steam out or whatever the hell it was called but yeah going back to the point that, here, that's was, exactly what it was called they called it steam steam yeah but getting back to the point is that yeah that's just another example of recently like a recent movie that we've talked about and watched that was like truly more brutal to a kid than you ever would have seen 20 yeah. 30 years ago you know without question now, now i don't know why the exact reason why but it might be maybe some of it is the fact that it is a taboo subject matter we've seen in the world of horror we've seen everything already as far as what you could do to somebody you know, the gore, gore wise or whatever. But I think they're kind of tapping into this thing. But when you do something taboo like that with a kid, it, that shock value just ups the ante more. Yeah. And you don't even have no to doubt. show any kind of actual too much gore or anything in that scene. You just have to imply that it's happening. And if it's happening to a kid, that immediately makes it more fucked up. All right. So uh, back to the movie, uh, what we were talking about as far as like Beverly, you know, we've already mentioned it like in the movie here, she can. She's she's seen how they all die. Like she tells a couple of the other you know guys, like yeah, I've seen how we all die. Like I saw that like Stanley was gonna die in a tub or whatever, you know. And I've seen how everybody dies. Meanwhile, Mike is with has has brought Bill like back to his apartment or or you know like he lives over like the town library or something, right? He's got like an apartment over the library, and uh, he basically he drugs him into seeing this vision on how it Pennywise came to Earth. Like so, basically, like, you kind of see this like this montage, right? Of like. I guess like a, a a comet hitting the earth and then how this thing, mm-hmm. like uh, this Indian tribe tried to deal with, you know, uh, I guess he wouldn't have been Pennywise at that point. He's just some alien creature or something. Right. So I guess that's kind of what I assume from, right. Am I right in my assumption there that like, he's just some alien creature that landed here on earth and is terrorized. The theory, yeah. yeah. Has terrorized this town for God knows how long. And I think he appears to, I guess he appears to different people as different things. Like the Indians saw him that way because that was kind of fit into their, their various belief spiritual system. mythology and beliefs. Yeah. And the clown thing that just, that kind of fit into with the carnival aspect of where he landed in the town at that time. So that's how they come to the conclusion that this, this tribal ritual of Chud or whatever will, you know, help them destroy it. So then they go to the old clubhouse. Now, you know, like now you see, I'm pretty sure you never saw this. No, you didn't. You didn't see this at all in the first 
it like chapter one but there's flashbacks you know that kind of it's like this underground bunker that ben like went and fixed up you know but kind of becomes their clubhouse so that they come to the conclusion that they need to go like split up and they need to find uh artifacts i guess th this is like something so that they find like these artifacts from this time period back in the summer of 1989 where they had a falling out like they had an argument so there was this time period like you know weeks or you know a few weeks or so whatever the time period was where they didn't hang out like that summer and then they came back together eventually you know to the to take out pennywise but so you kind of have these flashback scenes of like what happened back during this little empty time period that summer and them going to find these artifacts or whatever. So Beverly goes back to her old apartment and uh, she finds the postcard in the wall that like Ben had wrote to her. Now she, she's under the assumption that like, I guess that Bill had wrote this to her all those years ago, but it was Ben where it says like, you know, your, your hairs fire January embers or whatever the hell it says on the uh, postcard. She has like hidden this thing in the, like the baseboard of the wall of her old apartment. And there's an old woman that lives there and then eventually you realize, like, this old woman ain't really there. It's Pennywise fucking with her. Like, he turns into, like, this giant old woman ghoul, starts run chasing her around, <laughs> and she runs out of the building, and then she turns around. Like, the building is now, like, it. when she walked up to it, it's like, you know, it's just like the old apartment building she grew up in. But then when she turns around and looks at it, when she gets out of there, it's like an old rundown, uh, dilapidated building. Completely dilapidated, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, like, you know, everything was just like a, a Pennywise illusion. Richie goes back to the old theater, and this is where you see the flashback of him getting bullied by, you know, the Bowers goons. And he goes out, like, he's kind of uh, defeated by this when he leaves the theater. There's this huge, like, Paul Bunyan statue in, like, the middle of the town square there. Basically, like, P Pennywise is sitting on top of it, like, holding the balloons or whatever, and he tells Richie that he knows his secret. Then, all of a sudden, like, the, the Paul Bunyan thing, like, turns into a monster and chases him around. <laughs> And uh, obviously another, you know, Pennywise illusion. Bill goes, like, he goes downtown and he, he stops by this old, like, antique shop because he sees his old bike, Silver, which, I, I, if I recall, like, definitely, like, in the old, like, 1990 miniseries, that bike, the whole hi-ho Silver and that bike played a little bit bigger of a role, which I'm assuming it must have in the novel than it did, like, yeah. in the movie. Like, you know, yeah, he's got the bike and you see it a number of times in that first movie, but, like, it doesn't, they don't really mention it too much. You know, it's just kind of there and it says silver on it, right? Mm. But in this part, like, he sees the bike in the shop and this is where you get the whole Stephen King scene. You know, he's the shop owner and kind of a smart ass. <laughs> and he ends up making him pay $300 for that old bike. <laughs> he's like, but that's my bike. Well, it's mine now. <laughs> so he makes him pay 300 bucks. <laughs> You're for rich. It. You can afford it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the part, that's the other part of that scene we were talking about earlier where, where you, Take, there was something covering up a book, and he takes Bill takes the thing off of the book, and it's like his book, right? His novel. Mm. <laughs> you know, I guess you want me to sign this too. Uh, no, nah, I didn't like the ending. Well, yeah. <laughs> so then uh, he goes. He's on the bike, and like he actually like rides it down the street, and he yells, "Hi, oh silver!" You know, and he goes to the sewer drain where Georgie got pulled down. You know, back you know in 1989 something uh, grabs him or something right and then he turns around and the kids like uh do you talk you know like there's a kid standing there he's like do you normally talk to sewer drains and he basically tells the kid like stay the hell away from uh this area matter of fact just leave town like tell your make up some story like get just get the hell out of here but the kid also acknowledges the fact that he he's also hurt pennywise yeah yeah like he doesn't he say like he's hurt him down like the drain of his uh tub or something like that yeah. Yeah, so clearly, like, uh, Pennywise has been after him, and so th there's an acknowledgement of that. Ben goes back to the, you know, the old Derry High School, and then there's a flashback of, like, uh, him, you know, Ben being chased around in the halls from Pennywise. Beverly, so you have the whole scene of Beverly uh, telling Ben that 
uh, Bill was the one that, you know, wrote this card or whatever. So Ben's still, like, you know, hesitant to say, like, that, that no, it wasn't uh, Bill, it was me. Eddie, his, his, his thing for the artifact is he goes, like, to the pharmacy or whatever, and then he has a flashback of his mom being tied. Now, was this just, like, Pennywise fucking with him? This in this flashback scene, like of his of of Eddie's mom being tied up, was that really Eddie's mom tied up down there and, and Pennywise fucking with her, or was it just? No, no I guess not. I guess not, right? Because like then, like at the end of it, Pennywise like starts like terrorizing the mom or whatever, right? Like uh, eating her or something like that, and then he runs off. He basically leaves her for <laughs> he dead. made out with her. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this was pretty funny too. Like uh, so, he turns around that damn leper guy's there again. Like you know, this is like the guy that keeps like. Uh, popping up because Eddie's like a hypochondriac and uh the guy grabs a hold of him and just yaks all in his face like in his mouth and everything just like you know full-on like projectile vomits right in his face and that was the the part that I wrote down in particular too because like as this dude is barfing in his face Angel of the Morning by Juice Newton is playing (laughs) it's like a (laughs) (laughs) slow-mo you're the angel of the morning you know like as the dude's like yakking in his mouth uh, that was a pretty funny scene. Beverly and Bill come back together and then they kiss again. You know, th- there's that scene. And then, like, right after that, this skateboard comes, like, rolling down the steps. And Bill goes over and flips it over and it says, won't be there for him either. Written on the bottom of it, like, you know, in blood or whatever. So, obviously, this belongs to that kid that, you know, he just told the kid to get the hell out of town or whatever. So, then, Bill takes off running, like, shit, I gotta go save this kid. Meanwhile, upstairs, like, Eddie's done coming. He's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Um, after the whole, uh, barf, you know, barf in the face scene, he goes upstairs to like wash his face off. And all of a sudden, uh, Bowers is inside the, uh, is, is in there and stabs Eddie in the cheek, like takes his little switchblade and stags, stabs him in the cheek. He pull, he basically pulls the thing out, like hides in the shower. And then like when Bowers comes toward him, Eddie stabs, uh, Bowers in the chest. But then like that basically doesn't even affect him. Like, you know, he's just a fucking madman. He, he takes off and runs away. And gets in that, into that uh, that old car, too, like, you know, takes off, like, laughing. Then Bill runs off to the fair to look for the boy, and then, and, and of course, ends up in a fun house, right? Like, what would uh, going to the fair, looking for a fucking monster like Pennywise, and of course he's going to end up in the damn fun house, right? So he's running around trying to find this kid. He eventually finds him, but, like, he's on the other side of, the like, the mirror, the glass mirror or whatever. Meanwhile, Pennywise is on the opposite side of it, like, hitting his head on the glass, like, to bust the glass or whatever while... Bill's trying to do the same on the other side. And, of course, Pennywise gets to the boy before Bill can and uh, eats him. Um, it just explodes. Yeah, yeah. Like He, he just, like, you know, un- unhinges his jaw, you know, like Pennywise does in, this, in these movies, and, like, bites him. And, like you said, it's just an explosion of blood. <laughs> and then that's all you see. Uh, so that kid's dead. But miraculously, just like Henry Bowers, he comes back. <laughs> um, but, no, no, he's dead. Bowers then attacks Mike at the library and then Richie comes in and uh hits Bowers in the head with an axe. So Henry Bowers is finally dead. So as as back to uh Will your point earlier, like there was really n- not much of a reason to bring Hen- Henry Bowers back if this is the only way you're gonna play it, right? Like <laughs> he basically what did he do here? He he just runs around acts like a madman, stabs Eddie in the cheek, and then attacks Mike and then gets killed. Yeah, I, yeah that's it. I mean yeah, like, <laughs> that's all his whole role like, in this like, movie. In the book, you know, like damn near all the way up until the point where they're actually uh, about to, to face Pennywise, like, he's still there. But for whatever reason in the movie, they just decided to, like, uh, well, yeah, he's going to be a thing, but, you know, we're not really going to make him a huge part of things. <laughs> why why yeah. even why even bring him back, like you said? So after they've dealt with Bowers, right, they, they you know, Richie brains him with an axe. 
they decide to go to the old well house to kill it. Like, you know, all right, we're done with this. We're we're going to go back and fucking kill this thing. This is this is the moment. Ben drops out. He screams and drops out. And then, like, eventually you see home at last, like, carved onto his stomach. Because remember back in the first movie, Bowers had, like, cut, like, a couple of his initials into Ben's stomach. It's a cool scene because you see it happening or whatever, but you don't see Pennywise anywhere. But, and then in the mirror, you see Pennywise standing over him like with the knife cutting home at last into his stomach. So they break the mirror and then, you know, that moment has passed. But still, you know, he's he's all bloody from getting cut in the stomach. The younger version of Stanley is in that refrigerator. Remember the old refrigerator from the first movie where like Pennywise unfurls from there, you know, like kind of contorts himself out of there. That same fridge, except now it's like the younger version of Stanley. And like uh, his head like rolls off and then it becomes like a little spider creature. <laughs> so it's like a, a young Stanley spider head thing running around uh, and they have to fight. They have to fight it, and it, it latches on the Richie's head, and then Ben stabs it, and like it, it runs away. So obviously it was just Pennywise once again. They go down into the sewer, and they get basically down to the point where, like you know, remember where uh, Beverly was? All the kids and everything were floating and all that stuff. They get down to that that spot of the sewer from the first movie, and uh, they're trying to climb up on this little, you know, like this little uh, cat. Uh, I guess it's like this little wooden structure, you know, kind of like in the middle of it. Right before Beverly is able to climb up on top of it, this <laughs> that huge old woman ghoul jumps out of the water and grabs her and takes her down. So then they all jump in and they fight it off and, you know, Beverly's okay. So they go back up to the top of the platform or whatever and there's like this little hatch. So they go, they go down even further. Like now there's like an even further down below the sewer, there's like this cavern. And they eventually come to you know, it's home basically, right? This is where Pennywise lives. So they do the whole ritual of Chud thing. They burn their artifacts in this thing and then um, they're trying to contain the deadlights. So you kind of see the lights come down and go into this thing and it didn't work. And uh, apparently it didn't work in the past either. Like <laughs> uh, Mike had like hid this, this from everybody else for whatever reason. He hid the fact that this didn't work in the past and, 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 uh, it didn't work now. Then Pennywise turns into this huge spider, and they all split up. It's like all seven losers, or uh, six losers, because, you know, Stanley's dead. All six losers, they all split up. Richie and Eddie end up going back to that same thing from the uh, first movie, where it's like there's three doors. One says uh, scary, one says very scary, and then the other one says not scary at all. <laughs> so he's like, oh, no, I've already played this game before. We're going to the... Uh, we're going to the very scary door or whatever, and they open it up, and it was scary. So, <laughs> of course, they open up the not scary at all door, and there's a little Pomeranian sitting there. He's, oh, you know, they're all kind of, uh, Richie and Eddie are like, oh, he's a cute little guy, huh? And then, of course, it turns into a monster, right? <laughs> I think there's a, a couple funny lines in there, right? Like, he's like, oh, hell no, this this thing's a fucking monster. And then it's just looking back at him like, you know, like a little Pomeranian would. <laughs> and then it l literally turns into, like, a fucking monster. So then Bill is with uh, the whole, like, with Georgie thing. So, apparently, the revelation here is, you know, Bill gets kind of thrown back to, like, where he's in, like, his uh, his old basement back when he's a kid, like, the flooded basement, and Georgie's in there. And the whole illusion, or, you know, the whole revelation, I should say, from this whole thing is that apparently Bill lied about being sick that day when Georgie went out by himself and got killed. So, that's, like, the guilt that he's lived with all these years is, like, yeah, I wasn't really that sick. Like, I could have played with you, but I just didn't feel like playing with you that day. Beverly ends up, like, in this bath bathroom stall. Remember from the first movie, she was, like, kind of, like, in a bathroom stall, and, they, and the bully girls were, like, fucking with her? She ends back up in that bathroom stall, and then, like, the whole thing fills up with blood. 
Meanwhile, Ben's in, back at that clubhouse and it's filling up with dirt. And that's when like he basically yells out like he admits that he loves Beverly. And then uh, she busts open the bathroom stall door and then it opens up to where Ben is being like, you know, like drowning in this dirt and she pulls him out. Then you cut back to like, you know, Pennywise is in there with Richie. Uh, you run, you know, running around like as the spider monster or whatever. And Richie throws rocks at, at him. <laughs> this was another funny scene too. He's like, uh, he's throwing rocks at him. He's like, yeah, that's right. You fucking piece of shit. And then he, goes, uh! <laughs> he kind of like freezes and goes limp. And then like, uh, all of a sudden he's like caught in the deadlights, you know, he's like floats up. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I'm going to kill you fucking clown. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then, you know, like. Uh, Pennywise has him like in the deadlight trance or whatever, and he's floating up. That's when Eddie takes that spear, you know, like this metal piece of the fence or whatever that Beverly told him, like, yeah, you know, this will kill monsters if you believe it will. So he kind of musters up the courage and finally, like, throws the spear in its mouth. It goes down, you know, Pennywise, he goes down. Uh, but then uh, Eddie's got a hold of Richie, he's, like, trying to get him to come to, and he's like, yeah, Eddie, uh, uh, Richie, I did it. I, I took him out. And then, of course, like, one of Pennywise's, like, claws, like the spider claw, whatever just uh comes right through his like gut you know just runs him through with it then uh so eddie's kind of down for the count right so then basically this whole thing now like where they they realize like they they need to get him to go to one section so he'll become smaller and then we can take him down and then they're like come to the conclusion like well there's more than one way to make something small right so they just start talking shit to it <laughs> oh you piece of shit you know they just run it down and like pennywise shrinks slowly but surely until it like backs in, until he backs up into like this little uh you know whatever this alien structure was right in the middle of it I guess where he originally landed, and he kind of becomes one with it like all you see is like his head and his body's all shriveled up. Mike walks over and just pulls his heart out, and then they all kind of join hands and they crush its heart, and he dies. Uh, they go back over to Eddie and like Richie's trying like come on we can save him and then Eddie dies. You know, basically, just kind of bleeds out there. Then right after, of course, the sewer, the whole thing, you know, it's layer, the sewer, everything is starting to collapse. And so they escape. Then after that, they, they, after this whole thing, they just decide to go jump off that cliff again and go swimming. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, why not? I don't know if that's the first move I make, but hey, whatever, right? You know, I guess it's to bring the whole story full circle, right? So they all kind of, you know, take take the shoes and stuff off and they jump off the cliff and go swimming to kind of get all the grunge and the blood and all the shit off of them and... Then they have their whole, you know, crying moment over Eddie. They dive underwater and Beverly and Ben kiss. So, you know, you finally get that moment of Beverly and Ben finally together. And then as they're leaving, they notice like those scars where they had cut the shit out of themselves with that glass. Uh, the scars are gone. Um, then they look and they see the like the younger reflection of themselves in that shop window, you know, while they're walking downtown. Um, then you cut to some time later. So, you know, this is weeks or months later or whatever. Uh, Bill's writing, finally writing a book, you know, I guess now, you know, he's got clarity and he can, maybe he can finally write a book that has a proper ending, right, is the joke. Mike calls him and tells him to, like, read a letter, he's like, all of us just got a letter from Stanley, Stanley, so you need to read it. And basically, Stanley explains why he killed himself. He killed himself because he wasn't, he was too afraid to face Pennywise, and I guess he kind of wanted to help them, you know, he, he knew he, I guess he kind of knew that, like, he wouldn't be any help to them, so... Maybe he could kind of bring them together by killing himself, I guess was the point. So uh, that's basically where it ends. And then, then you see the credits. So so that's how they bring it a full circle for It Chapter 2. So, uh, Will, what would you think of this? What's your star rating for It Chapter 2? I think I'm going to land it around uh, three and three quarters. It's it's really good. It's 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 uh, it's a fun watch. Uh, but 
it just wasn't quite as good for me as the as the first one. And I think, unfortunately, part of, part of my, I guess, bias on this one uh, a little bit is the fact that I read the book not too long before you know I saw all the movies. So it, it just it just knocked it down a peg for me. Professor, what do you think? I say I agree. I agree wholly with Willie on this one as far as it uh, for me not capturing the that full magic of the first one. And again, it might, like I mentioned too in the beginning, it might just be because when you're watching kids and it's coming of age story and them tackling these monsters and everything, it's uh, this, and also the time period of it being the eighties, you know, when they were kids in the first chapter, all that stuff just really came together. Well, for me, I loved it. And I did, I obviously didn't hate this one. I like, I like this one quite a bit too. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to land on three and a half for me on this one. Uh, again, great movie. It just didn't, didn't hold that same magic as the first one did for me, and, and for those reasons I mentioned, I guess. I think I'm going to agree with Will, and I'm going to go three and three quarters. Like, I, I don't know if I can go quite four stars. I I, I guess, I, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, when you watch them back to back, I mean, it really is a, a really well done, you know, s- fairly seamless story, you know, that mm-hmm. that, it, that they tell here. Um, and they do a good job, you know, like I said, with everything, like we talked about before with the casting and, you know, the story itself and everything. And I know and I know a lot of parts are a huge departure from uh, Stephen King's novel, but I enjoyed it for what it was. I think it's a great compliment to the first one, which I definitely enjoyed for sure. You know, like I said, I enjoyed them both. So I, like, I won't necessarily put it on equal ground with the first one, but, you know, it's and that's probably more on my end due to the length of it. You know, I understand, you know, that this is a big story and that it needs a lot of time to be told. Uh, they probably could have shortened it up a little bit. I mean, knocking on three hours is, a, is long for, you know, for you to sit there and really say you love the hell out of it, right? You know, I think sometimes those run, run times, like, I know there's a lot of story to be told, but they can drag it down a little bit. You know, there's there's probably a lot of shit they could have cut out of this. Like the whole Henry Bowers thing that we've talked about and other things, you know, like, you could have saved yourself a good, you know, 15, 20 minutes just cutting some of that stuff out, if nothing else, you know. So uh, so there we go. Uh, I guess before we uh, move on to what we're going to watch next time, uh, Will, what's the kill count for It Chapter 2? I've got like a, a, a decent seven. I mean, you could probably tack on two more of the security guards when, when Bowers broke out. Uh, I have the uh, Adrian Mellon, the, the, the guy off the top of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, Stanley Uris when he killed himself, the girl under the Bleachers, uh, the boy in the Hall of Mirrors, Henry Bowers, Eddie Kasbrack, and then Pennywise. And if you want to, if you want to throw in the, the the two security guards in the uh, mental institution, I mean, you, I guess you could assume they died. Yeah, uh, it's probably a safe assumption. So I guess you could bump that up to nine. All right, so uh, Professor, what do you have for the Gore score? I think it's uh, you know, it's not too. They weren't going for total splat or anything. It's got some gore in it, but uh. Especially the the opening scene, it's pretty brutal beating, and then uh, when <laughs> and then of course the guy gets beat, and then he gets thrown over into the canal, and then he ends up as food for Pennywise, mm. eating his heart and stuff. That was the gore there, and then there's a few other scenes when uh, uh well there, there was the kid under the bleachers. Not that that was shown, but still the impl- implication there is is messed up. And then the kid, of course, in the uh, in the maze, in the mirror maze, with the you know the blood splatter and everything, yeah. and that that whole lead up. So. They had some. I would go with a six, I think, on this one. You know, they weren't going for total overkill on splatter, and then, uh, but it did have some, some uh, blood and brutality there. So, all right. So there you have it. That's uh, our thoughts on it. Chapter two. I mean, I think it's a. Uh, I think we all agree that it's a nice uh, compliment to the first one, and you know they they wrapped it up. You know, about as well as you could be expected without going as deep as they did in the not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in Stephen King novel. So, 
um, we ha we all definitely highly recommend it with those uh, ratings there. So for the next episode, we're going to be watching a cult classic from 1991 called Popcorn. Once again, like we haven't done for whatever reason, you know, just kind of skip around a lot. We haven't done a lot of movies from the 90s, although, you know, this is close to the 80s, but still. So th that'll be what's up next. So here's the IMDb synopsis. A master of disguise, deranged killer, begins killing off the college students who are organizing a horror movie marathon in an abandoned theater. It sounds like uh, we're, we're in for a fun time for the next episode. Uh, I, I've never watched this. Will, you said you you hadn't seen this before either? No. And Smoke, you, you own it on Laserdisc and 8-track uh, for some reason. You have the soundtrack on 8-track. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Obviously. Yeah, yeah. It's, it. been, it's, been, it's been a quite a few times I've seen it. I think I originally saw it in the theater when it came out back then. Yeah. So, VHS uh, later and I owned in the um, DVD Blu-ray. <laughs> so we're probably going to be going for a little bit of funnier, lighter fare for the next one as opposed to what we just watched in it, Chapter 2. So... <laughs> Uh, so go ahead and watch it in advance. I know there's at least one copy, you know, at, at least at the time of this recording, there's at least one or two copies of the movie on YouTube and there might be some other places you can stream it. I'm not sure, you know, obviously you can go out and buy it on DVD or whatever, if you can find a copy, but you might have to do a little bit extra, uh, work to track down a copy watch in advance if you haven't seen it before popcorn for the next episode. So I guess that's it guys. We've said all that can be said about it chapter one and chapter two at this point. So like, and like I said, go back. And uh, find that episode that we did uh, in the archives of the first one, you know, as a compliment to this one. Actually, I should mention uh, uh, the few housekeeping things, and I'm pretty sure I didn't do it at the top of the program here right at the end. If you want to email us, you can do that at allamericanspookshow at gmail.com, Twitter at AASpookshow, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. You can find us by searching for All American Spook Show. We have a, a T Public shop. You can find us there by searching for that. Um, we also have a Patreon patreon.com slash aa spook show for bonus content and stuff and we're, we're getting revved up on that so just throw that in before we wrap up here so uh i guess for will and the professor smoke i'm josh we are the all-american spook show podcast and we will see you next time for popcorn beep beep richie and now folks it's time to say good night we sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>